I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to Paul and Amy Jacobs. Paul and Amy never intended to lead a church, and yet through circumstance and God's guiding hand, they're leading a small church in Okinawa, Japan. They're fluent in both English and Japanese. They both grew up in Japan and North America. And finally, they have a tremendous passion for reaching the native population of Okinawa. In this episode, you'll find out how they ended up leading a church in spite of learning disabilities, health challenges, and having to come back after hitting rock bottom spiritually. All this and more on this episode of the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, to make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I want to invite you to join me for the 2021 CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference. If you're leading in a small church, a small ministry, or small group, if you want to go on a mission team, if you dream of leading in the future, you don't want to miss this event. Here's how you'll benefit You'll get to listen to inspirational speakers, people like Mufid and Jesse Tomei from Beirut, Lebanon, Josue Ortega from El Salvador, Todd Assad, Tim Summerlin, Kyle Spears, Jennifer Conzen, Joel Peed, Kelsey Hahn, David Jung, Joel Nagel, John Lusk, and more. You'll receive practical instruction. Each day will have a theme to help you and your ministry grow. Every class will give you tools to revive your spirit, and grow your ministry. The materials are specifically focused to help you and your ministry. The conference will help you to grow. The Friday program is dedicated to helping you revive, refresh, and restore the joy of your salvation. We're customizing a program to make 2022 your best year ever spiritually. You'll get help in ministry growth and planning. The Saturday program will help you come up with a complete plan, program, and curriculum for your entire ministry in 2022. You will leave the conference with confidence that you have in your hands the material and support you need to make 2022 your best ministry year so far. And finally, and I believe most importantly, you're going to receive massive amounts of encouragement. You'll spend three days together with disciples who are climbing the same mountain as you. You'll make friends, you'll laugh, and you'll learn every single day. When is it? December 2nd through 5th, 2021. It's coming up in Dallas, Texas. We're going to stay at the Marriott. The registration is $175. All you need to do is go to robskinner.com to register and look for the CLIMB conference tab. I look forward to seeing you at CLIMB in Dallas, Texas this year. I'm still living in the afterglow of that Flagstaff church planting last week. It was so awesome. I mean, I know you probably heard it already, but we had like 325 people there, two baptisms. Um, Brian and Abby did a great job preaching, Brian and Abby Mackey. And so I'm just so grateful to God that he put it all together. And so many answered prayers, so many amazing things happened. So I'm very, very happy these days. And I'm also happy because on my program today, 
I've got Paul and Amy Jacobs. And this is a cool story because I knew Paul when he was just a little kid. My wife and I were in Japan from 93 to 2003. And when we were there, Paul was a teenager. And he was a probably middle schooler when we got there. And then he was a teenager and graduated. But now he's a church leader. <laughs> and he's, he's married an awesome woman named Amy. Uh, a Japanese national. And it's just, it's just such a cool story. And I'm calling this the accidental church leader because, um, as you'll find out, that it wasn't his intention to lead a church, but now they're leading a church in Okinawa, Japan. And I just thought this would be so interesting because there's so many people that, through COVID or different circumstances, are going to more and more remote areas away from major church centers and finding themselves in a role where they're coming off the bench or coming out of the stands and all of a sudden they're getting onto the playing field and they're either in a leadership role that they weren't expecting or, or having to start something where there wasn't anything. And I think uh, Paul and Amy are a great example of how to do that. So look forward to talking to them today. Paul and Amy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Can you tell us how you became Christians? Yeah. Go first. Yeah, I was, um, I grew up in our family of churches, and um, when I was seven, I think it was 1991, my family moved from uh, California to Tokyo to work for the church there. And so I grew up in Japan and in the Tokyo Church of Christ. Um, and so I became a Christian when I was a teen. I got baptized when I was 15 years old. but um, uh, it, it was it was a long process. I started studying the Bible when I was 13, and then I was baptized when I was 15. Um, but I think that the biggest thing, we might talk about this later, but the biggest, biggest thing that helped me when I was young to make that decision was um, the love of the older brothers. Um, at the time, they would be campus age, college, college age, um, guys or, or maybe younger single uh, guys but they would spend time with me and at that time I was feeling very um, um, kind of kind of have having very little value in myself um, but they would spend time with me this young teenage kid who couldn't give them anything back they didn't ask for anything back but they would um, they enjoyed being with me and that kind of helped me to connect with Jesus, how Jesus sees me. And, and that's what inspired me to um, make that commitment at such a young age. Amen. How about you, Amy? Oh, um, yeah, for, for me, I was studying, I went to college in Canada. And that's when I met the first disciple from ICLC Church. And I was in the cafeteria and I just happened to talk to this one brother and he invited me to the Bible talk where he was going to lead. So I showed up and it was just so cool seeing all those brothers and sisters having fun, enjoying their lives. They were just so shining. And back then I was always worrying about stuff. So I remember this first feelings that, oh, I wish I could be like them. And ever since, I just went to the Bible talk every week. I was already deciding to uh, move back to Japan. So they connected me to the Tokyo church. 
and that's where I studied the Bible and got baptized. That's uh, 2010. Okay, so it wasn't even that long ago. It was only, I guess, well, I guess it was 11 years ago. 11 years ago, yes. Okay, so you, you're, you're Japanese by birth. You're, you're born in Japan, Canada? Yeah, I was born in Canada. Okay. Toronto. Your yes. dad, what was your dad doing there? Um, he was working in a Japanese restaurant. Dad's a, he's a, he's a character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell him why, why he went to Canada in the first place. Why did he go to Canada in the first place? What, what did he tell you? Well, he told me that <laughs> he, <clears throat> he just, he just wanted to experience something new. <laughs> so he sure. moved there with yeah. his wife and then he had, uh, her older brother and then and then Amy was born right. there. But when I was eight years old, uh, my grandparents who were in Japan needed some help. So our family decided to move back to Japan. But when I was, when I was 19, after I graduated from high school in Japan, I decided to go back to Canada to study because I liked Canada better than Japan. But it was actually very similar. To, so it's, that's, that's very similar to me I was born in the States. She was born in Canada. She moved back to Japan when she was eight. I moved to Japan when I was seven. Then I moved back to the States when I was 17. She moved back to Canada when she was 19. So we had wow. a very similar path. So yeah. very similar background, even though you're Japanese by ethnicity, really you're, you're born in the West. And mm -hmm. how did it, what was it like to be a foreign born Japanese coming back to live in Japanese culture for the first time? I hated it. Um, because I didn't know any Japanese school system. Everything was so new. Like, um, in Japan, you have to switch your shoes. They have like indoor shoes and outdoor shoes or um, you have you will get your lunch provided and you have to finish everything <laughs> and that, that kind of stuff like it was just a lot of rules that I had to follow and I didn't know anything about it so people always say hey you're doing something wrong or that's not what you're supposed to do so yeah I just feel like I don't I don't belong here mm. So interesting. I want to talk more about that. How'd you guys end up meeting? At Tokyo Church. When when Paul moved to Japan in 20, uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how we first met. Yeah, we, um, I moved back. I, I went, I was in school in Colorado and I graduated from there. Then in 2012, I got a job working for a company in Tokyo. So I moved to Tokyo moved back to Tokyo at that time. And uh, as, as we as we just said, she was um, baptized in 2010. So she was a part of the church that I was uh, going to as well in Tokyo. And, um, and so that's when we first met, but... We didn't like each other first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how, how long from the first time that you met to when you actually got married? You got married in 2017. Four so, years, four or five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People five years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What What changed? Oh, yeah. good question. 
I guess for me, the reason why I, I couldn't like him was because um, he was always vulnerable. He was willing to like share his weaknesses and his own feelings. But I grew up in a family where you're not supposed to show those feelings. So whenever I hear Paul expressing himself, I, I was always feeling like he was just being weak or just complaining about stuff. So I was like, he's so weak. But I realized that I have to face my own weaknesses as well. And after growing that area, I started seeing him as a very, um, what was the word? Bold man? Sure. Uh, Courageous. Courageous, yes, thank you. For being able to admit his own weaknesses and show that to people. That's like something that I've never done, but he's doing that. So I guess I started respecting him more after facing my own weaknesses. How about for you, Paul? Yeah, I I could say, I mean, there were a lot of aspects that changed for me, within me. Um, but uh, when, when I first got to Japan, um, I met her and I thought she was, I thought she was cute. Thank you. <laughs> but her personality was very bubbly and very uh, loud. And, um, and that, I didn't think that was something that I liked. I didn't think that that was, would match me very well. And so, um, you know, how she expresses herself is just, there's like no filter there's just right. just out there right. and for me i'm like i think about things very cautiously i don't speak very quickly and i look down on her because of that and um and 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 that that was wrong for sure but um at the same time i was also going through a lot of um struggles with uh, addiction and um uh, purity issues and things that uh, would that I realized made me view relationships with women as something that I get something from it. Like it's not me giving to them, but uh, it's all about them giving to me and meeting my needs rather than me meeting somebody's needs. And, and so I was looking at her and, and other people from that perspective. And I think that really caused certainly caused a lot of hurt in past relationships and it caused uh, a lot of distance with with her and with other people who I could have been close to um, but in uh, I think it was in 2016 was it 2015 or 2016 or something I, I don't remember exactly um, I kind of hit rock bottom and um, from that time I was able to uh, really really be humble and just face god and turn to god and um and see a lot of things more clearly that i hadn't seen before and from that time i could she was somebody who genuinely wanted to know me she didn't want to um she didn't really want anything from me like she she just wanted to she just had a genuine interest in, in me as a person. And I think that was like the first time I could see that mm. and experience that. And that really healed me a lot. Mm. And so we were able to have a, 
and then that so yeah that's that really won me over and <laughs> and uh, we, we started a relationship after that that's awesome so it was it was like a spiritual crisis that made you kind of open your eyes to see to see her in a different way exactly that's awesome that's fantastic let's go back a little bit because i find it fascinating you guys are both raised in eastern and western cultures i mean you got a taste of both what what was it like going to school in japan paul what what, what did you experience just give me a snapshot okay so <clears throat> i went to school i went to a lot of different schools in japan i went to an international school when i was in elementary and then i moved switched to a public japanese school for two years and then i went back to the international school and then I transferred to a different international school. So I, I moved around a lot and experienced a lot of different schooling systems in Japan. Um, I can say that, first of all, I have, uh, I have some learning disabilities. And um, I didn't really know that at the time. And the teachers certainly didn't know how to deal with me. Um, and so I, I thought maybe it was because I couldn't speak Japanese very well or, I, you know, mixing the languages or something like that. But actually, in reality, um, it, was through, it was because of my dyslexia or ADHD, different things that could, um, that really affected my, 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 my processing, my mental processing that caused me to not do very well in school. Um, and I didn't do well in school. Therefore, I lost a lot of confidence that I was pretty stupid and other teachers certainly lost a lot of patience with me and um and so it just was a downward spiral in education side of things on the social side of things where um i was a minority you know even in an international school even in my international school i it was like 95 percent japanese kids who could speak english um and then the other five percent were from all over the world but um uh so i was always aware that i'm different i was always aware that i'm outsider and i really wanted to fit in so for example there was a, a time when i was in the japanese school where i would see all the japanese kids and in the entire school it was me and my brother my little brother tim who were the only foreigners in this school and um and so i look around and i see Wow, everybody looks the same <laughs> and um they would point out that i have a really long nose or a tall nose all the time and i hated it and um and so i would in the corner i would like push my nose down <laughs> so that maybe i could my nose would be smaller to look like them mm -hmm. and um, i just remember a lot of things like that where i wanted to fit in but i couldn't um and uh it certainly wasn't all bad. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a, a lot of things that I learned from it and I gained a lot of friends from it. But I also experienced bullying, which we could talk about later. But um, yeah, anyway, there was, it was a big, there were a lot of things that I could say about it, but that's kind of what I would like to say. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the things that Japanese schools have a bad reputation for is bullying. What, what did you experience? So in the Japanese school, I didn't experience bullying. In the Japanese school, the kids were so nice and friendly and they tried so hard to 
to communicate with me and catch me up on classes uh, and, and play soccer with me and, and all sorts of things like that for two years. So third and fourth grade is where I experienced that. But then in an international school is where I experienced the, the bullying. Um, but it was in that context of um, pretty 95% people being Japanese still. So, um, so I, yeah, it was, it was very hard. It was, I, um, it was just like night and day. I was perfectly fine one day. I was friends with everybody in my class. I was very um, uh, friendly with everybody. And then one day, something something switched in certain people who could have influence over the whole class basically and i'm talking about like 30 30 kids or so um, and from that point on after the whole year i experienced uh, a lot of bullying of uh, being being left out being um having people talk behind my back uh, sometimes i would get in fights with these friends physical fights uh but it wasn't a fair fight. They would gang up on me. Um, but then these same kids outside of school, we would walk home together like nothing was wrong. Mm. And so I was very confused and, and it, it caused me to lose a lot of self-esteem on top of me not being able to do well in studies right. as well. So, um, Yes, so that 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 led to a lot of lying from on my part, my parents saying I don't want to go to school, I'm sick or ditching school, or um, that's where I started getting depending on porn or other um, other things to kind of escape. Right. And, yeah. Right. What What about for you? How was it for you to go to be? kind of an outsider coming from a foreign country, coming from Canada and then going back, were you treated differently because you were not, you know, born and raised in Japan, Amy? I think so. Yeah. But, um, I guess both sides, but they treated me as like a special kid who can speak English. I see. So that was good. And they were like, Hey, how do you say this in English? Or like, hey, can you sing this song? This kind of thing. <laughs> so, so I was able to be a little like popular in that sense. I see. So it was a, it was a yeah. more positive experience. You had, you had kind of a superpower that you could speak English. Right, right. There you go. And okay. when I moved to Japan, I was, I was second grade. So I wasn't that behind on education. Got it. Okay. So that was good. Yeah. There you go. So now, Paul, you say you've got a, you had a learning disability. But I know I saw you in like 2009. You were going back for your master's. What something must have happened there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, something something happened. Nothing happened with my disability. It's still there. But um, I finally found something I was interested in. I think, and you know, going to school in primary and 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 middle and high school, you have to go through the curriculum that they assigned for you. And there are things that you might be interested in. There are things that are not interesting at all. For me, I, I didn't find it. I, I found almost nothing interesting in that at that time. Um, or I thought I just didn't have enough confidence to, um, to try. And 
but in college, I finally got into college where I could choose my classes, where I could choose the amount of work that I do as well. And, and that opened up a lot of doors. And so I found a lot of things very interesting um, from there. And then I started um, enjoying reading. I started enjoying um, thinking uh, more abstractly and um, yeah, and so yeah, I, I, so after my college, I ended up going to get my master's, and um, and I don't know, I've always I've always found that being able to write papers or write books or you know get your thoughts out there to be so fascinating. But because of this uh, disability, it's really hard to organize thoughts. So even right now, like my mind is going crazy right behind the <laughs> in, behind the scenes here. Um, get the right words in the right order, you know. But um, uh, <laughs> you that, sound you sound great. You'd never know. Yeah, thank you. So so, um, yeah. But you know, my parents did when I was a. I don't remember exactly the age I was, but my parents um, sent me to the. To, to the states while I was in Japan to get spe special training to read to learn to read. Um, do you do you remember Andy Overin? Yes, Andy and Melissa. Sure. Yeah. So he he was hugely influenced influential in, in my life, um, being a, a great big brother to me. He uh, he loved me so much, and and he he actually got he got trained. He he. My mom told me this, but he got trained to help me specifically with my studying wow. so he he did that so that he could help me and he would tutor me um uh, to meet those needs and i think all that really helped me plus gaining more confidence in my relationship with god and my relationship with people and and different things like that wow that's awesome so where'd you go to school where'd you go to college you go to college in japan or back in the states in the states and i went to i went to uh i went to several several schools i started out in community college in in uh in denver or yeah well anyway yeah in denver in the denver area and i ended up getting my master's at cu boulder okay so what was your undergraduate degree and what did you get your master's in undergrad was in international affairs and emphasis was on asia because that's where i grew up and focused on japan and then my master's was in in uh Japanese literature and translation. So I, I, I would translate literature basically. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, and now I, sorry, go, no, go ahead. And, and now I, I have a job, um, researching. I, I I'm a researcher now. That's what I do, uh, here in Okinawa for, uh, about uh, bilingualism, how kids can learn two or more languages, um, and so that's what I do now. It's pretty crazy. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just don't know how you do it, Paul. I mean, I thought I was a smart guy until I started learning Japanese and I just was, it was such a humbling experience. I mean, just so challenging. And I think, was it St. Xavier said that this is the devil's language? I mean, it's just, it, it's gotta be one of the, t I know I know it's not the toughest. I think Hungarian is one is the toughest language, but I think, Japanese is definitely one of the top three in the world to learn. So I kudos to you. That's pretty amazing. Okay. So you went and you got your master's. What about you, Amy? Where'd you go to school? Um, 
which school? University. The university. Yeah. Yes. I went to one in Toronto called York University. Okay, and what was and your what did you study? I first I get in with business, but I didn't like it at all. So I ended up taking math. Okay. Okay, great. So I graduated with math degree. Okay. So let's let's fast forward it. How you guys got married? What led you to Okinawa? I mean, how'd you, how'd you end up in Okinawa? I mean, Okinawa sure. is thousands of miles away from Tokyo, south of Tokyo. How'd you, how'd you get there? Right, right. So, so um, yeah, for your listeners, if you don't know where Okinawa is, it's, it's the southernmost part of Japan, and it's a tiny island. It is uh, 100 kilometers. Sorry about kilometers for <laughs> U.S. listeners, but it's 100 kilometers tall. That's it. And then, like, the width of it is... Who knows? I mean, like 30 kilometers or something like that in, in certain places. So it's a very small island we, where we live. So and it's closer so, to Taiwan than it is to Tokyo. Wow. So like 60 miles long by 30 miles wide. Basically. That's yeah. it. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Really small. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, I always was interested in going on a mission team. And so I was praying about it. And it's staff in Tokyo asked me to pray for Okinawa, pray about going to Okinawa. So um, I came to visit Okinawa once. And that time, Sosoro was leaving the church. And I asked him, what kind of people are you looking for? And he said, someone like you, Amy. <laughs> good, an- good answer. <laughs> right, right. But then he explained and he said, uh, because back then we had a lot of military disciples. Um, there were only two Japanese-speaking disciples, which was Sosoro and his wife, Keiko, because they just started planting, planting or started leading the church. Leading the church. And they wanted to make it into local church. So um, Tokyo Church actually sent Sosoro and his wife to Okinawa so it could be more local. Reach out to the Japanese people on the island. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Sosoro was having a hard time making that transition, I guess, from the English, English. He wanted to make sure the English speaking disciples, the military disciples will still be connected, but also, um, he wanted to reach out to Japanese people as well. So he was looking for someone who can speak both languages and who knows both culture. So he said, Amy, you're the perfect person. Right. So, and then when I, when I heard that, I feel like God was trying to like heal me because I used to feel like I'm, I'm no one or I don't belong anywhere. Like I'm not Canadian. I'm not Japanese. I'm like, what's Chudonpa? In the middle, I guess. In the middle. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah. But then I feel like God made me, uh, a Japanese girl born in Canada for this reason. Mm. God has a purpose for me. So I could be confident on who I am. And so I felt like um, I could be healed and be used if I come to Okinawa more. That's so cool. That that feeling of being caught in the middle, What's it, I think it's called a third culture. You're, you're like, you're not one or the other, but you're like a third culture. And I'm sure both of you guys have experienced that feeling like, what am I? 
Who mm-hmm. am I? I'm not Japanese. I'm not American or Canadian. I'm some something different entirely. That must be a, a disorienting feeling. Right. Now, yeah. do you, did you guys have a dream to, I mean, to lead a church? How did you guys end up becoming the church leaders? So um, if I could go back to answer the question for me about why I came to Okinawa. Yeah. Um, uh, just to give a, a background for, for your listeners, um, before we went to Okinawa, several years before, uh, how do I say it? So basically, Okinawa has a, a lot of U.S. military bases. And, um, and we have a lot of uh, disciples in our, in our, in our churches that, that are, that are um, active duty military. And, and so when they are stationed in Okinawa, they come together. They, when there wasn't any Japanese ministry, they had come together and meet together in their homes and encourage each other's faith. Um, but at, several years before we came here, God had placed um, uh, several uh, very good-hearted, faithful families in Okinawa. And they saw that there's no way that they can really reach out to the local people because they can't speak the language. So they started praying and, and saving up their contribution, their offering, so that the Tokyo church could send someone um, who speaks Japanese as well to reach out to the local people. Mm. And, and because of their heart and their sacrifice and their, their willingness to, um, to think outside of themselves, Sosoro and Keiko the, uh, were able to be hired to, to move to Okinawa. And they had a, a son. And, um, and I remember Sosoro telling me that he, he didn't have any training either in leading. But he, he certainly has led people to Christ and he led Bible talks and things like that. So, so he wanted to show his son that his faith mattered, that, you know, he, he wanted to, uh, to be that example for his son. Mm-hmm. And so, so he made that decision and, and they came out here and then <clears throat> it overlaps with my hitting rock bottom when they moved here. So for that year, I was processing and trying to recover and, and praying, what, what does God want me to do? And finally, I got to the point where I say, um, God, I just want to go where I can get closest to you. That's it. Please, please tell me where it is that you want me to go that I can be closest to you. Whether that is staying in Tokyo, even though it's very hard for me. If you want me to face the problems here, then I will face it. And you have a plan for me to grow with you through that. Whether it's going back to the States, whether it's going to somewhere else, who knows where. And, and then at that point, um, Okinawa came on my radar and um, Sosoro had been helping me and been really influential in my recovery. And so I went out to Okinawa and I gave a lesson. I preached on that Sunday in English in front of all the military people. And Rob, you know this, but in Tokyo, if you speak in front of people, you hear a lot of, oh, yeah, or, mm, 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 you know, amen, yes, very good, yes. The people are nodding their heads. 
And then they come up to you after the after you speak and they say, Thank you so much. You're sharing changed my life. It was so encouraging. <laughs> positive feedback. Very positive. Um after I I I, I preached that Sunday. It was as if I didn't even speak. You know, <laughs> people didn't even mention it. And I realized how much I depended on people's approval. Mm. And, and it clicked. Something just clicked. I think it was the Holy Spirit. It said, if you're here, you will grow mm. in reliance on me. Wow. And, and so then that's when I decided I'm going to go. <laughs> because no one gave me a response yeah so i certainly wasn't i didn't have a big heart for the okinawa people at the time i didn't have a big heart for um reaching out and, and building a church or anything it was just really a simple simple i need to i need wherever i can go to grow my relationship with god please 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 leave me there you shared a couple times about hitting rock bottom can you share briefly about that experience what happened? <clears throat> um, yeah, well, it has to do with my addiction and um, and a lot of um, I think that uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard. I think I. I I realized that um, to keep it short and simple, I finally realized that I was looking at God in an unhealthy way. I saw my relationship to God as if I'm a burden to him, mm. that he reluctantly loves me. I know he loves me because the Bible tells me so, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but deep in my heart and I couldn't even, I couldn't describe it. I couldn't express it. It, it was, it was hidden far within me, but finally I, I was able to see that I see myself as a burden to God and to other people because of my sin, because I can't change. Uh, because of the way that I continually to to fall, mm. and when I when I finally could see that that was like one of the core things that was causing me to escape into impurity or to alcohol or different just things like that or even just too much TV. <laughs> but um, then things started changing because I started seeing God in a, in a healthier way. And, and, and he started changing um, how I see myself through that. Uh, not as a burden, but as a loved child, wow. as, as someone who uh, will make mistakes and will hurt people, but it does not, it's not my core definition. It's not, not, that's not what defines me. And God used Amy to help me see that God used, uh, Sosoro and many other people to help me see that um, as well. But um, yeah, so I, I had struggled with this addiction for since I was, mm, you know, 13, 12 years old, uh, escaping and in, in, in a 
variety of different ways. And uh, through that and through our marriage and, and things, conversations in that, um, I've been able to be, um, I guess, sober, if you want to call it that, um, for, uh, you know, four years or something. That's awesome. So, Thank you for yeah, sharing that. I really appreciate that. So you guys are down in Okinawa. Sosro and Keiko are leading the church. Sosro is originally from, he's an Indonesian national, so he's not even Japanese, but of course he's a super smart guy, speaks fluent Japanese. Yep. How'd you guys become the church leaders? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny, huh? Because we're lead, Indonesian guys leading a church in Okinawa and then an American guy starts leading a church in Okinawa. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a korean brother leading the church in sendai japan right i now. know so, it i know it it's so Nagoya. awesome yeah and Nagoya too right yeah god has plans for us foreigners to help <laughs> to to serve people here Amen. um but yeah what happened well anyway we um sosoro led led the church in in a great way um for four years um but the financial support ran out and 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 you know we hadn't we didn't see any any uh local local person become a christian um we we really didn't we didn't even have very good consistent bible studies with guys with men um for four years three three years i guess three years and um and I think Sosoro was definitely feeling burnt out as well as there was no financial support anymore. And so um, through that process, he needed to step down, but he, he stayed in, in Okinawa to support. Then we need a leader. So what should we do? And we had a meeting with families. We have uh, the Karusosomo family is Sosoro's family. We have the Kawasaki family, they're a Japanese family, and the Jacobs, and then one single brother. And that's the team we have here in Okinawa. And so we came together and we talked, who's going to lead? We, should we do some group leadership? Should we do something like this? And um, after a long discussion, uh, <laughs> everybody, the brothers are like, I think Paul should do it. <laughs> and I, I said, okay, um, I'm only going to do it if you all promise to support me. You That's right. Promise to support me because naturally I, I'm so comfortable and loves supporting. I'm a great supporter. I got to tell you. <laughs> um, I do not like leading. I do not like people having, having to, bring people along with me. Mm. I want to follow and then push that person forward. Mm. That's what I, that's my talent, I think. But God called me to do this, to help me to grow in this time. And I saw it that way. And, and I saw the need as well. Uh, there was a, there was something to, to fill. And so, so yeah, in 2000, beginning of 2020, I started leading the church. Wow. Mm. Right before COVID. Right before COVID, yeah, like right after we we had our first baby. Oh yeah, my gosh! Was, he was born in in November, and then uh, started leading the church in January. Okay, and what's your baby's name? 
Umi Alyssa. Oh, that's sweet. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Umi is Japanese name. Yeah. Mean means ocean. Because mm. Okinawa has beautiful ocean. Right. So, how did you feel, Amy, about uh, taking over the leadership of the church? So yeah, I was I was resting at home when Paul had that meeting, because you know I was just recovering from giving birth to my baby, and then Paul came home and he was like, "I'm gonna be the next leader." <laughs> And I was like, no way. Why did you say yes to that? You know how busy we are. That's not even your strength. Come on. So that was my first reaction. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Since that's happened, that's been a year, almost coming up on two years, I guess. What, what have you found to be the most fun part of leading your own church? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, to be honest, it is, there's, uh, it's much more easier to find the difficult parts. But as, as I said, I'm not particularly fond of being a leader in, the, in that capacity. Right. I love leading people to connect with each other. I love leading... Uh, people to recovery. I love leading people to different things like that. Uh, like maybe on a one-to-one basis or right, a small right. group basis. But it, to lead a whole church, to think about the, the, the mission plan, the, per, the internal elements and all that kind of stuff. Oh my. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say what, what is most fun is being able, God, I do believe God chose me and Amy for this particular time, mm. this particular time, the biggest need is connection mm-hmm. in our family, in our church um, with COVID. Right. Uh, Okinawa has been in emergency, the state of emergency for the last, since May, and it's still going on. We don't even know what emergency it is anymore. People are just kind of living normally, but but it means that, you know, you can't order any, the restaurants close at eight o'clock, you know, no drinking outside. Uh, uh, the schools are very limited, you know, interaction is very limited. So we've been meeting as a church online uh, for the last, well, basically for the last two years. Yeah. And, um, but we do get to come together on a personal basis. Our families meet together and we play outside. We go do certain seats go stargazing, you know, go to the ocean. We, it's beautiful here. But as a whole church, we haven't came together. Right, we haven't come together. Okay, so how big is the church now? How many people are you um, talking? Uh, Including all the, the military members and then the locals? About 11. About 11, okay. 11 and, disciples, yeah. And then we have uh, some visitors who show up all the time. Okay. We have like three of them. Yeah. So that's the good news part. There's a lot of great things that have happened this year, actually, but we'll get to that. I'm sure. Go ahead. Just share it. If there's good news, go ahead and talk about it. So, um, uh, so yeah. So when we, when, when we, when in 2020, when I started leading the pandemic hit, Nobody knew what to do, right? I mean, I'm a new church leader. I didn't know what to do anyway. (laughs) But then everyone else who I could consult with also were in the same position as I was. Very 
uh, who knows, you know, what should we do? How should we stay connected? What kind of expectations should we have on our, uh, on our, <laughs> on our uh, people? And, um, and so my main focus was just let's, let's be focused as on God's family. We're right. God's family. Let's treat each other as God's family and be connected in that way. And then let's find out ways we can reach out to our friends. And, 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 and so we have, our, the, our church is, is consisted of very, very different people. Even though we only have 11 people, they're, they're all very different. And um, so coming to a consensus, that's one of the very difficult things that um, I've faced. But um, <clears throat> one of our brothers is really big picture think, a big picture thinker. He's a, he has his own business. He's um, always um, thinking of new ideas. And so he came up with an idea. He let's, let's reach out to our friends through um, the internet, you know, through Facebook, through in Instagram, through our chat services and different things like that. But we're already pretty burnt out and tired and we don't know what to do uh, i don't think we can really go through with that but he was very convinced convinced that this is going to bear fruit and so we talked a lot about it and we ended up um uh very simple but we started an instagram page and and uh in japan we use a line it's, it's just a chat service and we we started this and um the end of 2020, a lot of people, like a few, you know, a handful of people, like five or, five or so people started showing up to our church services and they started contacting us. Hey, I would like to join you. You know, um, we were interested in knowing what your church does. And this is Japanese people. And, um, and so from those people, one family uh, who has a similar aged daughter, just as us and they're also in their third their mid-30s i started coming out and um now we're studying the bible with him his name is nobuo and he is really really been inspired by the bible and um we're, we're just talking about the cross now and uh and he's been he's like wow god died for my sins i i i didn't know that like that's incredible and um so you know god opened some amazing doors and then there's another okinawa woman uh, she's in her in 60s, 60s yeah. yeah she's in her 60s and and she's studying the bible with her sisters um and 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 she's finally got like this real heart connection to god now finally it's been two years they've been studying with her um, but she's very close to um to really having that uh, change of heart and yeah, yeah she's really broken with her sins and she knows how much god loves her so we're praying for her and the other men to get baptized by this year yeah and we, it's a, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so for four years, you, you hadn't converted any local or native Japanese. Then all of a sudden through COVID, you've got three people and a family, like three people that are really interested in wanting to become Christians. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. I mean, what does that do to the church? Like what, what's the atmosphere when these people are walking in, you know, and showing excitement? It's, it, it changes it completely. The, the, the best thing to me that comes from this, uh, well, if they, you know, them getting introduced to God, that's a great, that's the best thing. But another best thing is um, the unity between the brothers and the sisters that uh, we didn't have before. 
Uh, I think that it gave a lot of the, the, um, the different brothers chance to lead and to take responsibility for someone, to, to, to love someone um, who doesn't know God at mm. all, who doesn't know Jesus at all. And that changed their attitude a lot. And, um, and it combined, it really connected us. I mean, unfortunately, there was another college student who we were studying the Bible with who just recently um, just cut, cut ties with us completely. We don't even know why. There's no explanation. It seemed like we were having a great conversation and everything, but then he sent us this, this letter saying, you know, don't contact me ever again. And mm. la, 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 I'm going to go to a different church. Yeah. And then, um, uh, but the cool thing about it was that that very night, the brothers all got together. We all talked about how it made us feel and shared our disappointments, shared how we can now relate more to God and Jesus mm. and encourage each other not to give up loving people, even if we get rejected like that. Like, right. whoa, you know, coming together like that as, as brothers. And, and then yesterday we did that as a church with the sisters as well. That's powerful. Wow. That's amazing. Okinawa has such an interesting history because it got started by a woman named Pamela Johnson who was transferred there. Her husband was in the military and she contacted the Tokyo church back in the early nineties, was asking for sermon tapes, cassette tapes back then. And um, so we sent, sent those down to her and she started listening in her living room. And then a brother named James Brooks, he, he moved in and, um, they started converting people in their living room and, you know, started converting military people. And then before you knew it, they had their own rented building and then we were going down there to visit. So it's a really cool story about how that church even got started, just kind of bootstrapping it. And it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring to see how God is working. What, what strikes me about this, Paul and Amy is like, you guys are like the perfect, you really are the perfect couple to be leading that group. Because you've got so many American service servicemen and women, plus you've got a you know large native population. So, my I guess my question for you, Paul, is: Are you preaching in Japanese? Are you preaching in English, or both? How do you do it? Yeah, um, that that is one thing that we we have not figured out yet with COVID, is uh, how we can stay connected with the with the English speaking side, the military side, because. We only have um, a few, like uh, two families stationed here now uh, that we know of that are connected to us. Um, they, oh man, we're so grateful for the Tokyo International Ministry because the Tokyo International Ministry hosts uh, service every week um, on Zoom for any English speakers all throughout Japan. So we can't, it's so hard to translate on Zoom, um, provide translation services like this. So. We don't do that. And our focus has just only been in Japanese. So I preach in Japanese. We take turns, all the brothers take turns and we preach in Japanese. It's all Japanese. And that is something that we still are trying to figure out. How can we, how can we be united as a one family with the military folks um, as well? And that, that, that is something we want to work on. So Paul and Amy, like, how do you guys support yourselves? Like, are you paid by the church? No, no, we're not. We're, um, I, I have a full-time job. Um, 
doing doing the research that I was talking about. And Amy works at the daycare. Umi, yeah. Our daughter Umi's daycare. So so we both work. And you do research. Is that is that what it is? Translation. Uh, it's research. It's uh, I, I write. Um, I write articles and um, and and different um, like blogs, sort of things. And it's all about how kids learn language, more than one language, and and we apply it to the Japanese setting of you know can. Japan's really uh, kind of famous for not for teaching English a lot, but not having great results. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we do research on how kids can actually develop that. Skill. Okay, so the articles you're writing, you're writing them in Japanese. I write them in English, and then we translate it into Japanese, and it's published in Japanese. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Now, Amy, um, in previously you mentioned that you've you had some health challenges. Can you talk about that? Sure. So um, back then, I didn't know why, but I would sometimes I would just wake up feeling really tired and no energy, so I couldn't go to work. Um, it was just so hard for me to just get up from my bed, going to the bathroom, even. I was just feeling really tired, and I even got into a car accident because of that. So, but then. I, so I, I had my brain checked, my heart, my blood. I did all those tests, but they said nothing is wrong with me. So it was so frustrating. I was suff- suffering this is suffering with this problem, this issue for like five years or so. And I was just feeling this, I was just discouraged and I gave up on getting better. And then one day Paul said, maybe it's gluten. And so I decided to, cut off gluten for three weeks and see what happens. And after that, I got so much better. Yeah, I remember like, uh, like when it's raining, I will have like very bad migraine. But after I cut gluten, uh, I didn't I didn't notice that it was raining. So like, <laughs> I, my health got totally better. So then after that, I just tried try to watch what I eat. And that really helped me. So you didn't, you didn't have like an official diagnosis, basically you're like a self-diagnosis, Paul, the doctor just (laughs) said, drop out gluten. And then that solved the problem. Right. And, and rice too, actually. Yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. It it was rice and gluten was big. They were, they were big. And then, then we kept going back to the nutritionist and different, different things. And so she started, um, taking, um, uh, bacterial pills, like for the gut, it, it, to, to, to help your gut become uh, healthier. That could digest right. before it gets into my, my body. Oh, so like enzymes and stuff like that. Okay. And I don't know what it is exactly, but maybe. And um, But basically the, the, the thought was sh- her body is not able to process a lot of foods. And so because of that, it has these allergic reactions and I see. Um, and so so she's been taking that and she's continued to take it and cut out the gluten and when she starts getting a little bit weak again she'll cut out rice as well so 
if you know Amy, she loves pizza and <laughs> ramen. And, yeah. yeah. So this it was, was so challenging for me right. to give up on those, my favorite food. Right. Wow. Yeah. But I, I, I pray to God and say, God, when I get to heaven, we're going to eat a lot of pizza together. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Like when you guys went down there, okay, Okinawa has a different dialect, right? Has a different, mm-hmm. okay. Was that an adjustment trying to get used to the language down there? Yes, definitely. And the first two years when I moved to Okinawa, I was working in this local Okinawan company. Everyone was Okinawan. So they would say, they would use a lot of Okinawan dialect. So uh, I got confused a lot, but they were willing to teach me. So it was a fun experience. <laughs> So you just picked it up, picked it up as you go. And so now you can speak in the local dialect. A little bit. I, I understand a few, a few words. Is it like a totally different language or is it just a, a modification of Japanese? Um, they use, they have different words for certain things. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole different language. There is, it is a modification of Japanese, but it's mixed with other languages too. And then, but, but that language, unfortunately, is dying out. A lot of, it's only like grandparents who speak it. They teach it in school a little bit, but kids aren't very interested because they don't use it. Um, but then there's the Okinawa accent, which is very fun. And yeah, we love it. <laughs> we love it. Whenever we come back from Tokyo or wherever, and we hear the, them speaking in that the intonation that they have, like, oh, we're home. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I've heard now I've heard that international marriages can be challenging. What's, what's been your experience? Yeah, you can share that if you want. Um, it, would it be okay if Amy shares something that she really has enjoyed? <laughs> oh, please go ahead. Go for it. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy seeing Paul growing his relationship with the church members mm. and his relationship with God and how I'm used by that. Um, is it okay if I explain a little more? Go, please okay. do. Oh, thank you. So um, as he explained, he has his disabilities. He's having a hard time expressing himself. And first, other members were expecting Paul to explain things perfectly. So um, there was like a little tension there. Like Paul, he want, he has a lot of things in his mind, but he couldn't get them out. And some members were frustrated because of that. They, they couldn't understand what Paul was trying to say. So first I helped Paul to organize his thoughts. And I also explained some of, to some of the church members what Paul, the Paul's weaknesses mm. and what kind of encouragement he needs, which is just, this gotta be patient and wait for Paul to speak. And let him know that like, we are here to uh, listen to you. We will wait. So take your time. It's okay, even if you can't express well. But we, we are here to um, support you. You know, that kind of encouragement is what Paul needs. And so uh, those people who were first having a little tension, um, they were humble enough to get my advice. And they started to change their attitude. And Paul got more confidence about that. Being being be, be okay, even if he's not perfect, and yeah, after after that, I guess Paul 
Paul feels more free to communicate with others and others, they, they're more willing to just take their time to listen to Paul. Mm. So that, it was just so amazing to see how God used me to translate that kind of stuff or mm. help them to understand each other be- better. That's awesome. You guys, you guys make a great team. Thank you. Yeah, that connects to to uh, international couple, or you know, I think mm-hmm. uh, she speaks for me <laughs> to help people understand me better. Uh, I'm the foreigner here, um, so so she can help uh, communicate what I maybe can't um, as well. But to answer your question about the um, the difficulties, um, you want to talk about that too? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, um, well, because we know both culture cultures, it could the difficulties could be a little different from other typical uh, international marriages. But um, we still have some. Even though we can, we are fluent in both languages. We're not perfect. So, um, I remember one. So, like, uh, we do have a lot of. Is it? misunderstanding yeah. about the language still so one time paul was saying that you should listen to people more carefully before you speak i thought he was telling that to me and he was like mad at me so i got mad at him like what do you mean by that you know <laughs> but his you meant like people in general i see yeah but i didn't know that context mm. i thought he was just being mad at me <laughs> something like that yeah yeah um i think another thing that's difficult that uh, is just being so so uh far away from both of our families oh boy um with our little with our girl she you know we want her to see be around our family and we want her to enjoy that but also we could use support Mm -hmm. um and having to choose you know how to how to use our holidays to go to the states and then to Tokyo and then back to Okinawa, especially during COVID. Now we're like we have to quarantine for two weeks, so we're basically out. We'd be away from our home for over a month if we choose to go somewhere. Right. And yeah, that that's that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. But luckily, Amy's uh, family really loves me. I I I know that a lot of uh, international couples they may have some issues with the in-laws right Uh, that's that's what i hear but um i'm they love the fact that she married someone they're they're proud of me for being with american guy over here (laughs) yeah and then paul loves japanese food so that's very that's been helpful too like whatever i cook he would eat even can eat this not not so this sticky smelly slimy soybean which i love so that's good. Yeah. Thank you for enjoying my Japanese. <laughs> yeah. My boys were raised on natto. You know, they would, when we went there, we didn't know what to feed our, our kids, you know, because there wasn't like American baby food was super expensive. And so someone gave us the advice. They said, listen, just take a little rice and mix a raw egg with natto. And that's what those kids ate, and they still love it today. And it's wow. yeah, so they they grew up on that high high in protein, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, 
what it's I'm obviously with COVID, there's been some difficulties. Toughest part of leading a church? For 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 me, it has been um, uh, kind of what Amy was saying about the thing that she found was that was super encouraging. It is very hard for me is not being able to be understood, not feeling understood. Um, I I'm not super super comfortable um, <clears throat> coming up with something and then asking people to follow me in the first place and then being put in that position and then get to getting the faith and courage to share it and then to be misunderstood was like like it was a it, it was it was devastating yeah. for sure yeah i really had i needed a lot of help and encouragement but the great thing i learned from it was that even a simple word has different meanings for for different people mm. Uh, for example, I, I, my focus in 2020 was let's have a godly family. And to me, that meant family is a place that you're safe, you encourage, it's a place where you can be yourself, but it's also a place where you want to invite people into, right. you want to have people over and, and, and love them because that's how my family was. But many, many other people had, had a very different view of family. Some viewed it as this is just our time to isolate. Family is a time to be alone. So when they heard me say, let's focus on the family, they thought I was saying, let's be inward focused and not outward focused at all on the mission. Mm. And I certainly didn't mean that. And I didn't understand why they were so confused by it until we had a lot of conversations. And then I realized, that's how you see family. Oh, that's how you see family. Mm -hmm. This is what I mean by family. Right. And and then we could, and then we we could come to a um, to a better understanding, and uh, from there, you know, the the culture shifted and it changed. But there are a lot of things, a lot of words that I used that got very strange reactions that I did not anticipate. And behind that, I think is um, we we view those words and those concepts differently. Right. Wow. So, I mean, okay, well, let me just go on to the next question. What are your plans for the future? What, what do you see happening coming up? In the church? In your lives. In our lives. Well, our plan is to put our daughter into local Japanese school. And one of the reasons is because we want to reach out to those, like, really local Okinawan people, not like, but there's uh, we there's there there are a lot of um, international schools as well, but for those people who go to international school, they're like more rich, like a little high class, like different people. So we want to target more local people who are suffering with this Okinawan situation. And in Okinawa, there are, there's a lot of single moms, broken from broken family, and so and this lady who's actually studying the Bible, actually she's like that kind of typical Okinawan person who, who's from broken family and experienced divorce. So um, yeah, our plan for the future is to reach out to those people through our daughter. That's awesome. Yeah. And we, um, 
since we got married, we, we pray um, about our local neighborhood, saying, God, please let us be a blessing to this local neighborhood. Mm. And we want to, we love, we love the greater island of Okinawa, uh, but we want to make an impact and love our, our neighborhood in some way. And so um, God has actually blessed us in an incredible way through that. It's great news, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right now there's a, there's a fifth grader, a Japanese girl who goes to the elementary school right in our living room studying math right now. Wow. Um, <laughs> she, during the pandemic and the early time, do you want to explain it? Or? Okay. Um, uh, Umi was a, ba- a very, just a few months old and Six months old. Element, these these uh, elementary school age boys and girls were playing around our house. Because they didn't have school. They couldn't go to school because of the COVID. And so um, we took Umi out to see them, say, look, there's all these kids. And then the girls were like, ah, oh, it's so cute. Can we come in and play? And, you know, this is Okinawa, very, very free, very pure hearted. Um, <clears throat> And so from there, uh, the the girls would come over to our house and play with Umi, and we would build friendships with them and their families. And um, you know, <laughs> last last year for my birthday, five <laughs> girls came. Five five fourth grade girls <laughs> came to celebrate me, <laughs> <laughs> along with my wife and my daughter. So all these uh, little girls were wrote me a card and bought me presents like it was so meaningful um and so we and then the school we goes to is in our neighborhood and the people who run it are christians too and so they want to help us reach out to the neighborhood in some way and so we actually were able to do a little bible talk for the elementary school kids wow um at their facility and so yeah looking I'm, we're really looking forward to 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 growing this um, community we have here in, in our neighborhood and include our church members to come and love our friends to, uh, to, to build that greater community. That's awesome. I, you know, the, what really impacts me is like one, Paul, you've got a disability that you've shared about, had some challenges spiritually. You've got an international marriage. You're living in a country that's not, not your own. You're a white guy. In, in Japan, and not just in Japan, but I mean, you're in the, the Inaka, you're like in the, the country, you know, with a, a strong, strong accent. And, you know, the church there was always, has always been primarily military because there's been always so many servicemen. So what you're doing is really groundbreaking. Mm. And having, starting to convert locals, you know, Okinawan locals there that's really impressive any advice that you would give to a person who feels like you know i never consider ministry or i've got some sort of disability that always holds me back any thoughts any encouragement you could give to a person yeah um i think amy can also share about this i mean she doesn't have a disability but <laughs> but she definitely was insecure about using her talents or different things like that but for for me um I would, I don't know why, but I've always just had the heart to, to be willing to let God use me. Even, and I, and, and almost every situation in my life, I've never been um, ready for, 
for it, pretty much. I wasn't ready to go get my master's degree. I wasn't ready to come back to Japan and work in a company. I wasn't ready to move to Okinawa. I wasn't ready to lead a church. <laughs> um, but what sustained me through it all is um, a willingness and a trust that God has a plan for me and will use my weakness and will definitely use my weakness. That's a conviction. So I just want to encourage people to know that um, God will use your weakness and, and to multiply it into something that you probably could not imagine if you are willing to let him. Right. And, and the other thing that I've been doing recently is I've actually been able, I've been blessed to, to do research for my job. And part of that is studying how children with disabilities can learn language and through that i've been able to learn more about my own disabilities and that's provided a lot of healing for me mm. so not being afraid to um to identify what it is that the difference that you may be experiencing in your own mind in your own processing um facing that and and knowing that god doesn't see you as any less he actually made you that way and it's, it's okay so so that's been my experience what about you amy for me okay thanks um for me i always compare myself to others and feel like i'm short like i i'm not good enough from my own experience so what i do is i tend to hide what i have and like feel embarrassed i, I only have little but um from scriptures where god will, god gave talents to everyone like those what is it servants accordingly um that scripture really helped me to see that even though i feel like i only have one talent when other people have 10 just be proud of this one because this is the one that god gave me mm -hmm. no need to um compare myself to others but just be willing to use this one to be, be proud of this one and willing to multiply this for god and i think that really helped me to just focus on what i have what, what god gave me and be proud of that and and as a result god has been multiplying the those things that i feel like i only had little wow well thank you so much for your time you guys i just i find your work very heroic and having been on the japanese mission field for 10 years i just go whoa it's tough it's challenging and yet you're doing it god's working through one of the most difficult times in my lifetime with the COVID pandemic, and yet you're coming up with ways in spite of disability, in spite of cha language challenges, all sorts of things, you're finding a way to reach native Japanese. And that's that's really awesome. Uh, I bet your parents, Chris Nelson Jacobs, are just super fired up <laughs> and mm -hmm. super proud of you, Paul, and shout out to them that we spent, you know, 10 years with them and longer in San Francisco before that. So all the best to you guys in the future. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.